Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening, welcome to Side by Side. Myself, Steve Zakwani, Brad Evans here as always, and Keely joins us again. And it's a good show to record because we're coming right after the opener. We're previewing LAFC, but that opening game was a resounding Sounders win. Um, Brad and myself both worked the game in different capacities. Brad did some TV in the pregame, so did I, and I did the radio as well. And... I was at the stadium and I would tell you at halftime, I never would have guessed that the score would be 3-0 or 4-0. It looked like a pretty evenly matched game. And then either Minnesota really dropped off second half or the Sounders really stepped up. We'll share our views on that. We'll preview um, this matchup for me, which is my favorite game to watch. Apart from Seattle-Portland, LAFC Seattle for me has become one of the best games to watch. And for some reason, one team always wins 3-0 or 4-0. It's tough to know why, but we'll get to that in a second. First, Seattle destroyed Minnesota. Uh, Brad, how did he do it? Yeah, I think just a tactical adjustment at uh, at halftime. I think um, whether it wasn't really tactical, I think it was more mental. I think Schmetz probably brought him in and said, hey, let's, let's calm down a little bit. Let's keep some possession in the attacking half and really try to break down Minnesota because you know that Minnesota, as soon as they win the ball, they're trying to find – uh, Reynoso on the counter and get him involved as quick as possible. So just keep the ball in the attacking half. And more often than not, we're going to find a result, right? The advantages of a 3-5-2 are playing to our wings. Um, and if we can get them involved and switch the point of attack, you saw it. It worked It worked really well in the second half. I mean, it came from a little bit of determination from Atencio and really taking a guy on or two guys on and, and completing that dribble to then combine ball gets played out wide. We're in good positions on top of the box and obviously a fantastic finish. Um, you know, but two minutes later is the save off the line from rolled on. Right. So they could have made it one, one at any, at in an instant. Right. And then you're looking again at Minnesota possibly coming back. Um, so credit to the guys pressure stayed on. They got hungry, brought on a great sub. Um, in Montero, who was obviously hungry and uh, made a difference, I think, uh, pushing this team to a 4-0 victory. I feel like it's it's interesting. We were so worried about defensively what we were going to look like. And in the first half, it really felt like this, I don't want to say struggle, but defensively, we actually looked like we were keeping in shape pretty well. I mean, I only saw Brad Smith yell at Nuhu like twice, which is not sure. bad. Uh, <laughs> But defensively, I thought we looked great in the first half, to be honest. And then it sort of took the attack getting involved. And I'm sort of curious with you guys, um, you sort of know tactically how these formations work together. Why do you think that was? And do you think there really was a reason why defensively we, you know, we sort of were clicking and it took longer for the attack to get involved? Um, Just curious what you guys sort of noticed there. I I think Brad touched on it. There was a change at halftime, watching from the radio booth, anyone who knows where the press box is at um, Lumen Field, where Casey, Keith, and I did a broadcast, it looked like a back five a lot of the time. Brad Smith was very deep, so was Alex Rodan, and so 
when they got out on the attack, there was too too much ground to cover. They were too far. Brad Smith never really got at Metanir, the Minnesota right back in the first half at all. Second half, they had higher starting positions. I feel like they found more of a 3-5-2 rather than a 5-3-2. So they were able to take up high positions and it really pushed Minnesota back because Minnesota probably did shade the first half offensively in a sense. We're really in trouble. Um, defensively, I thought the Suns were solid the whole game, but nothing happened offensively in the first half. And a lot of that also was Nico, your usual outlet. When you're in trouble, you find him, you can get you out of problems. I think Christian played the number 10 role. He plays it different. He's off the board. He's trying to run in behind. He's putting himself about without really dictating the tempo of the game on the ball, which he did in the second half. It's just Christian played better. Joao Paulo played better. Brad Smith was better. Ru Bruin was better. Raul was better. So you have so many players in the first half who were somewhat non-existent offensively who just played better in the second half. Is it a mentality switch? Is it tactical? A little bit of both. And I think they were just better than Minnesota in the second half. And once the offensive side got clicking, I thought defensively, for the most part, apart from that little scare after the first goal that was killed off the line, Seattle was pretty good defensively. And I think I understand why Nuhu now was chosen to be a centre-back, because he put a lot of fires. He can cover bases in the wide area still, because he's so quick. And he stayed very connected to the back three, the, the other two defenders as well. So I think maybe in the first couple of episodes, we've been a bit more doom and gloom with the team saying they haven't improved in the offseason. They're not going to be great. And I say that from a perspective of, that's my honest opinion, one, but also the standards at this club are so high. It's such a high standard at the Sounders. It's not like we're just trying to squeeze into the playoffs. You have to try to win the supporter shield. You have to try to win a Western Conference Championship. You have to try to be in MLS Cup. It's a very high standard. So I looked at the squad and didn't see the path towards that. But I've been proven wrong so far in the first game because the team played very well, was very well coached, and you're still going to add um, a fully fit Rui Diaz when he gets moments on this game and Nicola Dero into this team. So judging on that, looks pretty good to me, I would say. I mean, Steve, I think you brought up a good point. It's generally when when players talk to players about other teams and you look at lineups maybe before the game, um, you know, a day before the game, you might find a lineup. Um, you're always going to compare your squad against the squad you're playing against, right? Like, would I take their left back over our left back? Would I take their center midfielder over our center midfielder? And I think that's where we, in the beginning of the season, looked at our roster and were very honest. Would you take Gustav Svensson over Atencio? Would you take right. um, Leerdam over Alex Roldan, right? Um, now those players are aging and now these young players get another year of experience. So we have to be realistic and real and say, Hey, these guys have to prove themselves at the biggest stage over an entire real MLS season, mm-hmm. not a short, right. short expedited season where you've got a tournament and then you've got, you know, games on the back end. So this will be the biggest test of all for these young players. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were able to step in last year and, and, and play well. Now you've got LAFC coming up. Yeah. Um, but this game should give the guys confidence that even when we don't play our best, we can still bang in four goals yeah. at any given moment, right? And yeah. that's good going in against the LAFC team who defensively isn't looking their best. We've got to talk about some of the performances, obviously, and look maybe for a man of the match. I know it's very difficult. Um, I think I I feel kind of bad for him in a sense because Will Bruin had that assist and then he was coming off for Freddie because... Um, um, Freddie already had warmed up was coming in because I think Will probably would have found the back of the net. He looked good second half because the team was playing more to his strengths. And to play to Will's strengths isn't just dump the ball in the air, Will, you're big, win some headers. He's actually better with his feet than you would think. 
Um, but just give him something to fight for. Will will run into the channels. He's very unselfish. Will will battle. He'll fight. His feet are pretty good. He can link up play once he gets going. And he did that second half, of course, brilliantly to give um, Rui Diaz the goal. Raul, again, that's his game. Ten touches, two goals. He goes home happy. He doesn't care about anything else at that point, which is why you love him so much as a striker. He wants to score. But it's hard to look offensively past Freddie for me because he looked really good, actually, when he came on. I think the spaces were there for it suited him, the kind of game. He came on. Um, Minnesota was playing kind of defeated, but Freddie took advantage. He was fantastic. The, the couple of little assists and little balls he gave over the top. The finish, I knew right away, is going to be a goal. I've seen Freddie score that kind of goal a million times once he's inside the 18-yard box. Um, you knew. So those are the obvious guys. But I'm going to go with Luhu as man of the match, because I felt for 90 minutes in a new position, first game against real position, he was flawless for the most part. Um, disciplined defensively, the things we know he's good at, being strong in the tackle, um, doing a little extra new things after the tackle. That, we knew that, getting into it with the opponent, but tactically disciplined, connected to the back three, um, was very in tune with where he needed to be, putting out fires. I fought for 90 minutes. He was a very, very solid performer, just as well when you add the fact it's a new position for him at this level, I thought he was great. But I'd go Freddie second. Freddie second, yeah. Knew who my favorite moment of <clears throat> knew who uh, during the game was definitely him and Reynoso got into it. And at some point they were both arguing like, no, you touched my foot first. No, you touched exactly. my foot first. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's turn this into a debate. Uh, Brad, you can no longer pick knew who. <laughs> Freddie Montero, he's, he's still available because still he was Steve's backup. backup. Rebuttal. Yeah, so Steve got to watch the game in stadium. Uh, Obviously, I watched from home. I did some studio stuff beforehand. And, um, you know, I'm going to go with Roldan just because I think there's a lot of... Yeah, Christian. I think that there's just a lot of unsung stuff that he does on the field that goes unnoticed maybe during a broadcast that when I was watching from home, especially in the second half, I just said, wow, that was ridiculous. Um, it's the constant energy for me and the, the never say die, the never give up. Um, no ball is too far. He never gives up on a play. Knew who didn't give up on any plays, but I think Roldan having to switch through a couple different positions in the game. Sometimes he found himself wide. Sometimes he was playing underneath as a 10 and then dropped back as a defensive midfielder. Um, the clearance off the line, the, you know, he, he, He's almost like instead of that second assist, he's like the third assist mm. to like every goal. It seems like he's involved in. I think he just linked up so well with everyone in the second half, from defense to offense, and really was that engine and that spark to to push and get to the next level and and, and really score some goals. Um, yeah, I thought it was so impressive. I, I think the issue with Rodan is going to be, and it's unfortunate for him, is. He's what five, six years now. He's been playing consistently, pretty high level, always one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, you start to expect it. So you're waiting for True. do do something else. And it's it's harsh on him. It's very harsh because what he's doing now is already enough. And it's the same issue I have with Jordan Morris, where I'm one of Jordan Morris's biggest fans, but also one of his biggest critics because how good he can be. If if I see Jordan take 60, 70 minutes off, it disappoints me. I don't know that the number 10 is Christian's best position. I know why he played there. I know why they put him there. I think from deeper roles next to Jar Paolo, they're going to be one of the best duos. Um, but I, I can see that. And I think he gets overlooked at times because won't always affect the stat sheet directly, won't always make the highlight reel directly. But if you are Schmetz and Jimmy Trari and Gonzo Pineda and Preki and, and, and that whole crew, 
he's one of the first names on the team sheet. They love him. You said a couple of days ago to us, was talking on the phone, that um, you see a lot of yourself in him. Now, is that just because you guys are both versatile or do you actually see parts of your actual game in Christian? Yeah, when I, when I watch Christian play, um, I would like to think that I would be that guy clearing the ball off the line if it was going to be you know, a goal-saving opportunity or the guy making the slide tackle in the 93rd minute to make sure that no one gets out or covering for my teammates. Um, kind of the way that he passes and moves, I see a little bit of similarities. Obviously, he's shorter than I am and, 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 mm-hmm. and I'm taller, but I think you know both decent in the air. Um, and just the ability to think about the next play and be in control of what you're doing on the field, but thinking about the next play and getting a lot of different players involved, right? Like he'll pass it to Raul, but he doesn't feel like he has to pass it to Raul. So if another player who's maybe not as good technically on the sheet for his his brother, for example, or playing out left to Brad Smith, he just makes the right pass more often than not, no matter who the player is on the field. And that to me is like that technically and tactically sound player that I see myself uh, in his role also. You know, he was the only field player to play every single game in 2018. First year that I started working for the team. Doing yeah. graphics, which is why I know that random yeah. statistic. Uh, no, that as well. He's, he's durable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love Christian. I do love Christian. I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah, and Schmetzer has also said about him that he's a player that doesn't need to be coached because like Brad was talking about, he already knows what pass to make. He doesn't need someone telling him what to do when he's out on the field. He's really yeah. good at anticipating. Um, but I'm still picking Nuhu as the winner of Man of the Match just because yeah. it had to be him. Uh, yeah. LAFC. Yeah. Let's move on to LAFC. What do you guys think? What, what are we going to see? I, 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 don't, I, I didn't see the news. I haven't seen the news. Well, the Carlos Vela substitution was weird because... It was he, an accident. Yeah, he wasn't actually injured enough to come off. And no. He was receiving treatment. Bob Bradley took him off and Vela had no idea. So that, that again, is that going to be a long-term effect? He's going to be mad at Bob? I don't think so. I think he said, you know what, is what it is. He's going to be motivated. He scares me. Just because we had Auntie on a podcast last year and Auntie said, and Auntie's been around the league a long time. And he said he's the best he's ever seen. And Auntie coached Oba and Clint daily directly. And he goes, Vela's just different level. He, he scares me because anytime he's on the board around the 18-yard box, even last year in the playoffs when Seattle smashed LAFC, and that was like Carlos Vela's first real game in a year, wherever it was, he still was dangerous. And he gets around the 18-yard box. He just you're scared to bring him down. He starts cutting inside. You know what's going to happen. It's very hard to stop it. If Rossi's also fit, they become a different animal. And that's what scares me about this team. They can score four or five goals in an instant. We saw that at MLS's back tournament. They, they can do that. On the other side, because I watched them play against Austin FC, and Austin FC is not as good as the Sounders, and they had some chances, good, good chances. You're going to get chances. And you put any of those around Raul, around Will Bruin, even someone like Christian once he gets into those positions, Joe Paulo, obviously. I think Seattle have a couple of goals in them. They can be got at. It's just the other way. If anyone can expose any holes in this new back three that we didn't see last week, it's this offensive group. They ask you so many questions through Atuesta, K, Blessing. Their pressing's good. They recover the ball well. I'm a big fan of what Bob Bradley does down there. Going toe-to-toe against LAFC um, at this stage, I think it's a good measuring stick for where this team's at. Minnesota let me down. They let me down second half. They weren't quite at the races. LAFC will be. And on the road, you won't have as much of the ball. You've got to chase a lot more. New who has to concentrate even more than he did um, last week against this caliber of players. 
I'm curious to see. I can see it going either way. I think for once it'll be a close game because these teams seem to win 4-0, 4-0, 3-0, 3-0. Everyone seems to um, run up the scoreboard on each other. It'll be a close game. Who scores first wins the game. To me. I, I, I thought Austin's tactics in the first half were perfect against LAFC. Really tons of numbers on the inside. Obviously, they were missing Rossi um, and they had some plug-and-play players in there for, for LAFC, but make the field... Um, as narrow as possible and just try to negate any ball into Vela, right? That's the goal. And if you have to foul, you have to foul. And when Austin broke out, there were a couple moments where I was like, whoa, yeah. obviously this team has been working on pattern play from day one when they got that group together. The, the pieces that Josh Wolf put together are built for whatever system they're going to play. Um, but I, I think Bob will be licking his chops, playing a team at home, in a new formation, that 3-5-2 that we've kind of seen in L.A. before when we go up a goal or, you know, we need to sit back and kind of absorb some pressure. Um, if Rossi's back, uh, does Blessing drop inside? Does that open up more room and more opportunity for Corey Baird on the other side to, mm. to really operate with his speed and, and get involved in the attack? It's going to be a really difficult game for the Sounders. I think um, they have to keep it very narrow and just sit in that block of uh, whatever they're going to do three and, and four, or if they're going to really play five in the back and have three in front um, and play some counterattacking soccer. So Will's going to have to be strong. Raul's going to have to be up for it. And if you get one chance, like you said, it might be a one nil game. If you can get out of there one nil, you're buzzing, right? You might have to park the bus, but results are results and um, continue to build on this back three. It'll be um it's going to be an awesome game. I'm excited. I'm always excited when these two teams play. Like it's, it's one that you mark on your calendar, right? You mark the rivalry games and then you mark this LAFC game. Now it's just yeah, one man. of those that we've become, uh, it's not a rivalry. It's just a good game. Right? I, I think it's like when we played, it was the galaxy. I think yeah, it was galaxy. The galaxy. Yeah. yeah. That was the game. You know, it was Bruce against Ziggy. It right. was this experience. Beckham, Donovan. Beckham, Donovan Keen. And then you had kind of, we had more of a younger group, but we were coming for them and, you know, we would win. We won down there. You know, they would beat us. They always got us in the playoffs, to be honest. But yep. I think that was, yeah, that was for me, for me, the game I circled first was going down there, playing against a big opponent. It was a big stage. And I think LAFC have that now. Obviously, you know, the crowd is not quite what it was, but they have a great fan base there as well. They've kind of come in. They have a little bit of arrogance about them in a good way because that's the way Bob is. It rubs off. I think you need that. We had that as an expansion team where we kind of were like, we got the most season tickets sold. We got the best fans. We got, and we made no qualms about it. Neither did our fans. I think LFC, a little bit of that's rubbed off on them as well. I like the Sounders team. I like what um, Shane O'Neill has brought to the team. I thought Ariago was really good. I thought New he was, was so good. good. He yeah. was so good. Hey, what and, about Yamar? What's the situation? That's what did, I'm saying. That's did, the question. Did Does Schmitz, he come back? Yeah. Did Schmitz touch on it after the game? Did anyone ask him outright what's Someone going on? Someone did ask him and he said, basically, it's none of your business. Yeah. In so yeah. many words. In his like yeah. polite Schmetzer way of saying that. So it's it, obviously it's something internal. He either did something, said something, um, and he's in the doghouse working his way out. So I don't expect him to start this weekend. But if it's a yeah. must-win game, is it the sacrifice of the team? Or uh, do you really set a point? What do you think it is, Steve? I could have an idea just from having been in locker rooms. We didn't press or probe Schmetz that much yeah. on it. Um, I would have started. I think the defense did well enough. You have to make a point. Um, if that is, it's just they know Yema. I don't know Yema. They know if he's the type of guy to respond to that. Normally, like I remember, you know, a, pl a player's in the doghouse, he's benched. 
Um, he sits there. He kind of goes through a, a lazy warm up in the second half. He's the last one to go warm up after, you know, Chatter Dave said, hey, let's let's go warm up. Right. But he was at half or at, at in the first half. He was warming yeah. up. Yeah. Right. So his his head is in it. Obviously, yeah. he's not checked out. So it's it's something else. So I don't I don't think it's going to be a distraction as much as it is. Hey, you need to work to get back into the lineup, whatever it is. So yeah. um, which which is a good tell. Right. Like that's uh, it's better than the alternative where it's a player that's angry or he wants out. He's not going to do those extra things to be yeah. up at in the first half, warming up in anticipation to get his body right uh, to get in the second half. Going through uh, our record against LAFC, we're four, five, and one all time, including two postseason wins. Why, Steve, you mentioned this earlier. Why do you think they always end up being so lopsided one way or the other? Like, we haven't really had a close game against them since their first game ever in 2018. And that one was close. And there were a couple close games that first year. But ever since then, it's been kind of blowouts do we have any idea why it's weird because i watch these games closely just from a tactical perspective because both these coaches coaching staffs you know put a lot into tactics and apart from there was one year where they absolutely destroyed us down in la um the game where you know carlos velo made roman torres take a nap that game where they won five five nil i think it was that was just a disaster four or five nil They, they were fantastic and all the other ones, though, even when it's 3-0 or 4-0, they're still really good games. Because remember the playoffs last year? Vela had a penalty that, for some reason, he used as a pass back to Steph. If he scores that, I think it's 1-1 at the time or 1-0 LFC. So these games can always go different ways, but then you look at 90th minute and you're, oh, one team's 3-0, one team's 4-0. Even in MLS's back, I think it was at like 6-2 or 5-2, but Will Bruin came on, scored, and had a couple chances. It could have been the other way. So as much as the scoreline's lopsided, the games don't seem that way. It's two evenly matched teams. That's why I think the yeah. first goal is so important. Who scores first and then is able to now really invite the other one to come out of their shape and then start finding the gaps. It might even be a lot to do with that. I'd be curious in those games if we look um, for next week to look who the team that scored first has gone on to win how many times in this game. I, I think it's telling because I think it tells you that the two coaches believe that a tie doesn't do them any good when you're playing against Western conference opponents, a tie doesn't do them good, especially if you are in anticipation of winning your conference or finish first and second, a tie doesn't do us very much. So I think that their attitude and Schmetz has said this before, we're going to play the same way away from home as we do at home. And I think both coaches feel that way. We're going to play attacking soccer, no matter where we are, if we're in Seattle or if we're at LAFC or vice versa, right? Seattle in LA, we're going to play the same way. And if it's 1-0, 1-1 after 50 minutes, we're not just going to sit back and defend for 40 minutes. We're going to push and score. And if we take two on the other end, well, yeah. hey, this is entertaining soccer. We're going for the victory. It's two good teams. I think that is in everyone's head is like, this is just good soccer, good yeah. two good teams. And I think that we are lucky to witness 3-1, 4-1, 1-3, 1-4, because I'd rather look at that than look back at the schedule and look at nine games where it's one nil one one yes we yeah. may have played good soccer but it's fun to see the scoreline uh sometimes like that because it just adds a little bit to this game against each other it just means a little bit more yeah it's almost like watch it's just at a different speed than other games that you watch it's just there's just another like energy when you watch yeah. an lafc seattle game that i think you guys really touched yeah. on predictions dare i ask um two two i'm gonna sit on the fence on this one 2-2. Two, two. I do think if a winner does win either side, it'll be by one goal, but 2-2. Two, two. I like the way the Sounders match up. I think, especially if Vela's on the right, Nuhu could cover that a lot. Um, he scares me. They might give away a penalty like he did last time. 
because Vela is the one, one, one of the few guys that can really unbalance Nuhu. But um, I like the way we match up. I like the Sounders team as is, I think, coming off a high. Joe Paolo and Christian can compete with K, Blessing and the Twister, no problem. Atenso looks good. I think, yeah, I see a close game. I see a very 2-2 two, two I'm going to go, but I think if someone wins, it's by one goal. Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2-1 Sounders. I Just because I don't know LAFC's lineup, and we could make predictions on which lineup is going to face it, but the one that we saw finish that game, I'm going to say 2-1 Sounders. Uh, I think the Sounders defense, if it if that's the lineup, I think yeah. the Sounders defense have it covered. They might leak one, but uh, I still see the Sounders coming out of this on top, uh, judging by the previous lineups. Yeah. Cool. I think there's going to be four goals, but I'm not going to make a prediction about who scores them. I'm going to kind of cheat on that one. Uh, four goals. We'll see how those distribute. Uh, all right. Let's get to some questions. Uh, we missed questions last week, so we're going to do uh, a couple more. And you guys sent actually some really, really good ones. So okay. not like you always don't send good ones, but these were really, really great. 40 questions, by the way, this week. Yes, oh, a wow. lot. Keep keep them coming, though, guys. Keep them coming. We we love this, this segment. Uh, first question from Nick Yazinski. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Why was it so hard for us to move the ball out of the back through the midfield against Minnesota in the first half? And we kind of talked about that, but maybe get a little bit more specific with what you guys saw. Why, why our midfield seemed a little bit clogged in the first half? Yeah, look, I think I think Minnesota made it difficult in in swarming in the first half, and really, Minnesota knew and and it looked like they really wanted to get the first goal in this game. They thought if 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 it's a new lineup for the Sounders, if we put pressure, we've got good enough pieces that if we really give forty five minutes of insanely hard work, that we're going to turn over the ball and we're going to get some good chances. Um, didn't turn out that way. But it also turned out that the Sounders weren't moving the ball quite as well as they thought they would and, and probably should have. Um, you know, some uncharacteristic giveaways, a little bit sloppy in the first half from the Sounders. You know, Brad Smith not on the same page, out uh, wide left. Alex getting involved, but not as much as in the second half. So I think it just provided the Sounders to make a quick adjustment to have a little bit more patience um, and really just put your foot on the ball and, and just play what you see. If they can continue to build off of that second half, I think you'll find success even against an LAFC team because you know they're going to come pressure just like Minnesota. They're going to exact same uh, motto for for LAFC is going to be, hey, put pressure on them. First 15 minutes, let's go. You know Ante's saying that right now, right? Bob's saying that. Put them under pressure. So Sounders have to be aware and just play the simple pass. Um, And and Austin did that against LAFC in the first half. They played the simple pass. They stuck to simple patterns, right? Play and move, play and move. Um, that, that was my thought, at least. Great. All right. Next question is from Paul Tastic, 1977. And, oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to read this. But Brad, love your dry sense of humor. He loves your dry sense of humor. <laughs> uh, hey, what did you and Steve do in the locker room that would lighten the mood? And what did you guys, like, do with your teammates to just sort of have fun while you guys were in the locker room? Man, um, that's appropriate for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Is anything specific? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I just remember my biggest takeaway from being in a locker room with Steve that if if you made fun of anybody, Steve was that guy in the corner that was laughing out loud. I would laugh a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he, would, he wouldn't necessarily make the joke, but he'd be the loudest laugh in the room. <laughs> and we and we know Steve's like contagious laughter, and and his laugh is. Uh, <laughs> 
And if you put them with the right group of people, then it's just, it just true. it's like a domino effect yeah. around the locker room. That's true. Yeah. I would say I was the one making fun of people and yeah. Steve was the one that was just <laughs> <Yeah>. laughing. <laughs> he was like the especially, great chorus in the background. <laughs> yeah. Especially when we team up on Patiani or something like that. That's, and it true. Was That's just, so true. It was no, it's right. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, we had people that would be the ones making a lot of jokes. We had Brad, obviously we had a guy called Pete Verhanus was very funny as well. Um, so you, you had people that were funny and just good. To be fair, our son's locker room in that run, I had five, six years, whatever it was, was a really good locker room. Um, very few times you could say this person is a bad fit or a bad apple. Um, I think we had a very fun locker room. Everybody sort of bought in. You obviously have people that spent more time with other people, but in terms of like, it was a very light, it was a light mood. It was like we had, you know, Ozzy and Freddie and those guys was, you know, Leo. They had their little fun things going on. Um, they had, you know, running little pranks, etc. We'd play FIFA at some point. We, you know, there's some people you pick on in the gym, like Patrick Iani for taking it too seriously. Um, things like that. So it just was a nice locker room. But everyone also had, you know, their own way to prepare for games, um, their own way to do things. Some people, you know, had to put their music in a certain way and um, be tuned out for the hour up to the game. Others were more lighthearted, would make jokes. So it just depended. But um, I enjoyed it, man. I think it was just... Um, they were fun locker rooms. They were fun locker rooms. And I always say, you know, the one, like, I don't know if, how much people know um, the way Casey was in the locker room because he's a super heavy metal rock, etc. So when he had the USB cord for pregame, it, yeah, you, you were hyped up for that game because you listened to <laughs> talking about slitting this and killing that. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think also when things aren't going well in the locker room, the easiest resort is just to make fun of the coaches. Yeah. And so Ziggy <laughs> yeah. took the brunt of it. <laughs> Schmetz true. took the brunt of it. You know, whoever the assistant coach was at the time took the yeah. brunt of most of the jokes in the locker room. You know, they'd say something and then they'd leave the room and we'd be like, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Choice, choice yeah. words about this guy saying this stuff. And everyone was pretty much always on board with that. And so yeah. that kind of like galvanized a, a locker room to a, to a certain extent. But, you know, I wish Steve could have been in a locker room with Chad because Chad was just, yeah. I mean, the guy was like, he was naked <laughs> all the time, all the time. Or he was putting on Stefan Fry's clothes and walking around to lunch in them. And it was basically like a giant baby wearing a newborn, like a toddler wearing a newborn outfit everywhere uh, he went. Nah, I, would, I would have loved to play just, with Chad. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's just, true. But we have great, to get him on the podcast soon, by yeah. the way, yeah, we'll um, for sure. Uh, and that actually leads into a next question from BT Weber. Have either of you talked with Chad Marshall about a back three versus a back four mm. and how he sees new who as a center back? Uh, no, I haven't talked to him about the back four. Um, so let's get him on. Let, let's yeah. let's hit this question and hopefully we can yeah. get him on next week. I know Sweet. he's not doing anything, so he'll be an easy. <laughs> Perfect. Task. All right, BT Weber, hang in. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get him on here and we'll get him to answer it himself. Uh, next question is from Aaron Meyer. He had a few questions, but I picked two of them. Uh, thoughts on Rui Diaz's missed PK? Oh, nothing. Yeah. I mean, good save, good height for the keeper, but I thought Raul hit quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, good pace. If the keeper goes the wrong way, goal, no problem. It's a good save. And the thing I like about Raul, it wasn't going to affect him. He missed the penalty, no problem. The next one's going to be a goal. So good strikers have amnesia, good goal scorers. Um, you know, there's, there's. I feel like Joao Paulo, someone like that, is a scorer of great goals because he's done it a couple of times now. Raul's a great goal scorer. Great goal scorers are going to get a tap-ins. They're, they're going to find a way. Yeah, he scored I, twice after, so. Yeah. yeah, you know he'll have second thoughts, though, thinking that could have been a hat trick because he's probably yeah. got a little bonus in his contract or something. Everyone wants a hat trick when they can, but... That's true. 
you know, it, it's a decent PK. Obviously, the keeper guesses the right way. It's not like the keeper was at full, full stretch and it was pinged into a corner. So I always just say, find a pick a corner. Last question, and I think I think we've actually answered a question from Mr. Corey Mounts before. So thank you for uh, continuing to ask questions. Uh, what do you think the season would have to look like for Schmetzer to finally get Coach of the Year consideration? It's oh, a good oh, question. Su- supporter yeah. Shield. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's, a, great, that's a great point. I think if yeah. they, you know, you lead the pack and you're playing great football and you're kind of the team to beat, um, you come into that consideration. I happened to LAFC a couple of years ago, um, Jim Kurtz and at Philly last year, they looked good. And then, you know, so I think, yeah, I think it's the team that wins support shield. It's maybe started to slowly rub off, rub Schmetz the wrong way. I don't think he cared before. I think he wants his respect. Um, so to win coach of the year, Brad is right. Support shield has to be. It's the curse of being at a really good club historically. Right. Like you're just expected to win. I think a lot of people think, oh, we could just plug in, um, you know, Steve Zakawani and he's going to get, you know, he's going to get us to the playoffs. Yeah. Right. That's the curse of being at a good club is that people think, and especially around the league, oh, you could just plug and play anyone at that place and they're going to find a way to win because they've got good players. Um, But there's more pressure here than just about anywhere else in the league. That's what people don't understand, especially pundits also. I think, um, for him to win coach of the year without winning a supporter shield is four of our starters would have to go down and he'd have to plug and play mm-hmm. and get us in deep into the playoffs with a 50% roster, right? Guys mm-hmm. who you didn't expect to play yeah. and get results and say, Oh, wow. How did, how did they do that? It almost yeah. feels like you have to break through. You have to like get that first recognition before you sort of continue to get that recognition, which is sort of True. annoying because you still need to get that first one. It's like getting your foot in the door. He needs to just get his foot in the door. Yeah, it's weird because some coaches just have it. Like, it's like, like you know, a good friend of mine, but like Caleb Porter has had I don't know if it's the reputation of, you know, being a super brilliant young mind coach who can, et cetera. And people always view him in that way whether he succeeds or fails, he's been very successful in Columbus so far. Um, I think you get a few people, you get kind of labeled something and it's hard to shake it off. I think that's what, and Schmetz is kind of, I mean, it doesn't look like a soccer coach. That's the first thing. And I've told him that he looks like, you know, any other profession, he could be a substitute teacher. He could be, you know, the guy, um, the dentist, I'm not sure, but like a high level IQ coach, he doesn't look like that, but he is, you talk to him and the guy knows the game. I mean, the flip side of being a coach of a great team means you had to be, a good coach like enough of a good coach to yeah. get that job in the first place so yeah. yeah just how you look at it um those are our questions this week thanks again for uh sending them and continue to do so we we love uh interacting with you guys do, do we do we still don't have a sponsor we do not have a sponsor yet all right somebody needs to step up this is not right i was taking my <laughs> shot this morning though okay there we go inflammation arrest from juju beat <laughs> Nice. Um, I don't think I have any logos anywhere. I was going to say maybe we could get sponsored by one of them, but unfortunately. uh, But we are going to start posting these videos on the website, so maybe that'll help. Yeah. So, guys, don't forget this Saturday at 3 o'clock, the Sounders play away to LAFC um, right in the middle of the day. It's a great game, really promises to be. It's going to be on ESPN, but you can also listen to um, Keith um, Costigan and Casey Keller on KJR. Um, plus broadcast partner so 
tune in honestly i'm going to be watching that one as a fan um also from like a tactical perspective it's exciting but tune in sound is trying to go two and oh um and get one over really what's going to end up being a rival for the supporter shield and the western conference championship lafc so we'll see what we stack up and measure up saturday three o'clock espn or listen on kjr sound is away to LAFC. Lamar Nagel, friend of the podcast, of course, friend of the Sounders, I mean, one of the top players in club history, is also um, doing a podcast with the club, through the club, yes? Yes, it's just and like, it's like with, it's called Side by Side. It just goes along with our podcast. Kind side of. by like Side. A, it's a yeah. special edition. Yeah, and he's focused on civic action and he's speaking to Earth Gens, Meredith Floor, Lamar Nagel. That'll be coming out on Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be sure to promote again the post once he's done it to let you know where you can find it. I'm sure it's um, up to be a fabulous conversation. This is not podcast related because I want to ask this. Um, yep. oh wait, don't edit this out because I do want to say, do you guys get in the water? Just right in, in Washington? Get in the, the weather, water? When the weather's good. Kayak, paddleboard, jet yep. ski, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we have paddleboard. Um, explain because I watched people doing kayak last week and it looked very boring no very, it's so much boring. fun it kayaking is the so best boring too much work no. pedaling first of all i was like what the hell is going on and that's number one paddleboard doesn't look fun it looks i could be smoking a cigar having way better time um i don't i don't, I don't understand water i don't get it i don't so, understand your, your lure of going in the water get wet and then you measure i'll give you it. an example of a, like a, an amazing day so blue and i have been paddleboarding uh-huh. and we go at sunrise out from normandy park on the ocean and so you hit out there and then you're seeing like the sunrise, you're seeing glass, water, fish, you see like um, all this wildlife popping up all around you. And it's like, it's a workout too. So we'll go like a mile and a half out and then a mile and a half back. And it's like pure core yeah. um, and upper body. So it's a chat, it's a workout, but it's something different than just like going to the gym mm. for me. I don't like paddle boarding on the lake, but I like going on the ocean because there's a chance to see like wildlife. Okay. that's what i think is cool yeah it's like a change of scenery and it's like a really good core workout like it like works your core like like paddle boarding it like looks oh it's so easy you're just balancing it's like no it's hard yeah kayaking not for me um yes, I, I like to be standing because i like snowboarding skateboarding so i like to paddleboard up top yeah yeah I go once. Yeah, actually, what you should do is book yourself a tour to do the kayak where you go see the whales. Yeah. Okay. And so you get pretty close to like whale watching, and that is pretty freaking intense. Dude. Is there a barrier with me and the whales? The kayak. That's my barrier? No <laughs> <Yeah>. chance. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> okay. So don't say it's like smoking a cigar because please <laughs> don't say no chance. <laughs> No way. All right. Very, I just asked him because last week was obviously great weather here and people were trying yeah. to get me out there. No chance. Stayed home. Um, no chance. All right. We're back next week. And it's just one game this week again, right? Yeah. Yeah, midweek. So we'll be back recapping LAFC Sounders. As always, thanks for listening. Side by side. Back next Thursday. Subscribe, like, comment, um, wherever you get your podcast. And keep sending those questions in. It's fantastic. And hopefully we're back in next week um, discussing another Sounders victory.